Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On a mixtape just around the corner Did a lot in California Can't wait to drop this don't you Yeah, they gon' have fun with that Smash like song and my song Alright, welcome back. Like it is Sunday day. night. Mark Daly here from the Scootery F1 Podcast Joined as always by Mr. Tim Haraney from the TSN Racing Pod We're here to break down which something which was an extremely eventful Hungarian Grand Prix But before we get into that, Tim, how's it going tonight, sir? Yeah, not too bad, man. It's been a better than Charles. Yeah, <laughs> better than anyone wearing red. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. Um, yeah, no, all good. It's been a very busy day, but uh, I will take busy for sure. You, uh, Hammy, and I were on the uh, Ringer F one show. Yes. Uh, so that was pretty incredible. So sh- shout out to them for having us on. Uh, yeah, and everybody should check that out on uh, Monday when it drops. Yeah, we'll definitely uh, retweet those on our own social media channels at Scootery F1 Pod and at Tim Haraney. So make sure mm-hmm. you give us a follow and mm-hmm. catch all that good stuff as well. And boy, wow, this was an eventful weekend. I mean, we had a shock pole position and I haven't gone back and looked at the stats, but I think there was more passing on Sunday afternoon than I've seen at the Hungara Ring probably ever. I mean, it's not a track where we see a lot of uh, passing generally, but I think, you know, I don't know if any records were set, but it must have been up there if uh, they did. Anyhow, before we, we've kind of teased that a little bit. We got to talk about uh, Saturday because that, it had all the makings of what we were talking about a couple of days ago, because this is the last race now before we go to uh, Spa in Belgium at the end of August, August 28th, I think is the, the date of the next race. We were saying on Thursday when we did the show together that going into the summer break, Ferrari need to go into the, uh, into the break on a high note, kind of recoup their losses over the past couple of weeks. And it looked like it was going to be a front row lockout. They were looking good in qualifying. Then out of nowhere, Mr. Saturday, Mr. George Russell, and I say that with total love and affection and respect because I think George is a phenomenal racing driver, but I mean, he's got that uh, reputation from his William days when he did great there as well and putting his car in places he shouldn't have been in a Williams. He comes out of nowhere, sets the pole position, and it was fantastic. His his Q3 time was a 117.377. Carlos Sainz from Ferrari was in uh, it was in uh, second row, sorry, second, and he was a 117.421. Then on row two, you had Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris. Their times were 117.567, and Lando's a 117.769. I mean, Tim, where did that time come from? That was outstanding because they didn't expect them themselves, Mercedes. Yeah, I was saying to a friend of mine who's kind of like one of those lap laps of the gods. It was that good. It reminded me a lot of his 2021 uh, lap in Spa in the wets. That was an incredible, incredible performance from George. I his lap on Saturday was perfect in terms of. Everything he could get out of the Mercedes, he got it out of it. And stitching together just a mistake-free lap, incredible. If we go back Friday, you know, it was a tough day for for George. The high fuel pace was the worst it's been all season, just on the Friday in FP1 and FP2. Then they took the wrong direction in setup as well. And then speaking with the team, you know, they stayed there until past... 11 p.m. on Friday night, just trying to figure the car out, trying to find a good setting for it. And then no dry running for George on Saturday morning. And the tires took forever to get into the right window. And then somehow he pulls out a lap that's absolutely incredible. I mean, one tiny little mistake. And there's no way he gets pole position. As for Carlos Sainz, 
you know, heard from him afterwards and he said, you know, with a perfect lap, he could have been on pole, but it just took a long time for him to get the tires into the right operating windows. And then the same goes for Charles Leclerc. I mean, he just struggled massively in Q3. Uh, tires were inconsistent to get into the right window and, and he paid the price for it. As for Lando Norris, I mean, the McLaren looked really good in quality pace. Race pace is a little different. We'll get into that, but his his qualifying pace was was really impressive when you obviously measure that against you know Daniel Ricardo's not I, I hate having to like you know dump on on Ricardo but not the greatest from him with ninth place uh 118.379 I mean that's pretty far off from his teammate so you know six seven tenths is kind of where Daniel's been so far all season sometimes a little bit more than that Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, and then the other one that that, that really surprised me was, was Verstappen daily. I didn't expect uh, him to be uh, that far back. Well, no, I mean, he just, uh, he was struggling. I mean, they're going through and, uh, what was it, fail to one. He's having problems with the car. Yeah. And, and, I mean, finishing in, in or qualifying in 10th wasn't really a surprise because, I mean, he struggled to, to get anything out of the car there yeah. in, in qualifying. What was it? Was the MGUH or the K that he was having problems with in the end? Yeah, but- they ended up changing. They ended up changing all the power units for the for the start of the race, all the elements. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're going to be expecting a, a grid penalty at some point this season because of that. But I think, you know, that was a precautionary... Uh, thing that Red Bull did for both Sergio and Max before the the start of the race on on Sunday, um, but yeah, just just not a lot of pace. I mean, even his uh, even his Q two pace wasn't even wasn't even that great. I mean, if he had have put together the same type of pace uh, for uh, for 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 Q three, he would have been like fourth or fifth maybe at best. But then you know you're you're battling it out at that point with the with the Renaults because they were quite quick and mm-hmm. yeah it was just it, I just it wasn't Red Bull's day for qualifying, that's for sure. Well it's funny, I mean looking both at Max and Sergio, I mean like you say, I mean, it, it was just a terrible day for them, and on Saturday that is. But I mean, I didn't think that Max legit had a shot at any kind of results in this race till what maybe lap fifty. <laughs> it's like, yep. okay, maybe, maybe Max is going to grow into this, but I'm I'm kind of putting the cart ahead of the horse here. Um, I just want to talk a little bit and go back and talk about Mercedes because that W thirteen that must be such a frustrating car for them because mm-hmm. sometimes. It does what they do when they expect it, not quite as well as they were thinking it was going to do. And sometimes it does really well when they don't expect it to do well. It just seems that whatever it is, they just can't get their mind around it. It just, it never seems to perform in the ways that they expect it. It, it, It's just, it's such a head scratcher. And I mean, I I know it's a a radical concept that they went with uh, this year, but it just uh, this car. It just makes me wonder if they were able to figure it out right from day one. How different this championship uh, would be? Because I mean, they've teased us at times uh, this year, and I keep going back to, to to Silverstone when when Carlos said in the in the cool down room there. He said, "So are you guys back now or what?" <laughs> and, you know, and it's it, they just kind of tease every once in a while. But can you speak any more to that? Some of the challenges that they they're they're having with this car. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the beginning of the season, it was it was a battle to try and solve porpoising and then the bouncing issues. The interesting thing is, is that the more they started to learn about it, the, the easier things got for them, because with porpoising or bouncing, it affects so much with the handling of the race car, because it's kind of like the first sort of domino to fall and a bunch of other dominoes. And the problem is, is that you need to figure out which domino is the problem so you can start working on it. So that was the biggest thing for Mercedes is just trying to figure out, okay, we have purposing. We think these are the types of reasons we need to get this solved before we can go and work on this. And it was trying to figure out, you know, which parts of the floor they really needed to adjust to get this thing to stop bouncing and to get the proper ride height for the car as well at the same time. And now that they've understood it and now that they've, I don't want to say solved because they still do get a little tiny bit of bouncing in some corners and on some straightaways that are a little rougher, but it's not as aggressive. It's not as fierce. I mean, it's, 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 you can manage it. The drivers can manage it at the same time. 
now they can start to bring other upgrades to this car to make it a little quicker. I mean, they brought a redesigned front wing for this weekend. That helps with a number of different things like uh, turning the car into a corner. You know, you can get more airflow directed at the floor. And then they they ran a, a very high downforce rear wing. And then also they made changes to the beam wing. So they adjusted the camber on it as well to provide a bit more rear downforce. So I just think that now that they've solved all this, you're going to start seeing them bring more updates. You're going to see them uh, maybe try different types of setups to see what kind of car they have. Because, you know, a big thing about this one daily was when they came into the season, you know, they were really pounding their chests over how strong this car was in the wind tunnel sure. and what the numbers looked like and the CFD design and all of that. And then they put it on the track and it became something totally different. So for Mercedes, it's kind of like, I think they need to still keep learning what they have to understand if it's really going to be competitive, you know, for next season, or are they mm -hmm. going to start to, or are they going to start to converge this car with something that looks a little similar to like a Ferrari or the Red Bull? You know, it's interesting because we're going into this month-long summer break now. It's a, gr a great result for them this uh, th this weekend. I know that Lewis obviously didn't qualify that well in seventh on row four. So, I mean, take that uh, for, for what it is. I mean... I mean, George deserves all the props uh, that he deserves for that 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 pole position. But this was a track that you know you, you can pull off something like that if you're you're, you're Mercedes because you can have eye-wateringly fast straight line speed like the Ferraris, but on a track like the Hungara Ring, it doesn't really mean anything because you've only got that the very long start finish straight and then that's it. So now we're going to go into three very very interesting races on the flip side of the break here. We're, first, we're going to Spa. Very big, long, fast circuit. Then we're going to mm -hmm. Sanford in Holland, which is another tighter, twistier, more technical track. And then after that, we're going to Monza, which is basically flat out the entire lap, which is uh, kind of crazy. So at least it should give Mercedes some kind of benchmark to see where they are. I mean, Hungaroring, it, it's an interesting kind of track. It's not quite as bad in terms of uh, Monaco, I mean, for overtaking. And I mean, it's, it's got similar kind of characteristics uh, to, to Monaco, but it's uh, it's different in some other regards. But it'll be interesting to see how it uh, it plays out on the flip side. And I think, you know, come middle of September, we should have a pretty good idea where this where, where this car and this uh, track that they're going on with their development uh, is, is going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, you make a good point with uh, these 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 tracks that like spa like that's a type of track where i think mercedes is going to be quite strong it has a long straightaway but it also has a lot of really fast corners and so mm -hmm. far you know the mercedes is very strong in high speed turns once we get to kind of zanvoort it's sort of a it's a different type of story there and then i think singapore as well will be a different yep. type of track for them that, that could throw up some uh some difficulties but again you know it, it's giving them the understanding of this is the car that we made. So how do we make it better? And how do we make it so it's just as fast, if not faster, um, than both Ferrari and Red Bull for the 2023 season? Because obviously those two teams are going to keep developing their car. It'll be interesting to see like, if Mercedes sticks with this zero sort of zero side pod philosophy. It, I, I'll, be, I'll be fascinated if they show up to the start of the 2023 season with a car that looks like it is now i have a feeling it'll it'll converge more with what with what a red bull and what a ferrari uh could possibly look like using the body mm -hmm. work to create a little bit more downforce we're really starting to see that now with um a lot of these cars i mean if you take a look at the ferrari uh for instance um using that body work to try and create some downforce uh, as well at the at the at the back of the car with those it kind of looks like a giant bathtub. You can just kind of lay in it really on that body work. So yeah. uh, there's things yeah. of that nature that I think we're going to start seeing. And then, you know, you look at Aston Martin and they brought that, uh, that new rear wing um, for the weekend. And again, you know, that's just that little element there that's creating some downforce, but also could possibly be creating some outwash as well. Uh, so that's an interesting story. Uh, we get to a little bit later, but again, just trying to find different ways of the bod the bodywork that can be used as as a type of I guess a sort of a wing or something that can generate a bit more downforce. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, I mean, if you look at some of these cars, and I think that was um, some of the real fun and enjoyment we had with like the, the the reveals earlier in the winter, 
is that when we got our uh, our first looks at some of these cars, just the way that the the bodywork is contoured in different places and to different effects for 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 the different teams was really cool. I mean, like that uh, like that channeling, like you uh, so correctly point out for uh, the Ferrari, was uh, really stood out uh, right away. And I, I guess the, the the big thing is when it comes to to Formula One. It, it's it's a concepts that other teams tend to catch on to and then start to to model and and develop for themselves. Those are the ones that you, you it's a real good indication. Okay, this is working because somebody you know had that breakthrough and everybody realizes. Okay, we got to be doing the same thing. Yeah, hundred percent. It's always those, that thing of everybody starts copying everybody else, right? It was it was interesting because this weekend Haas you know showed up with an updated car. They gave it to Kevin Magnuson, and everyone's calling it the uh, the the WF, the white Ferrari. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, I think they're all going to start to converge and start looking a lot like like uh, like each other. Like, let's take a look at like what Williams did. They have a total overhaul, right? So they yep. had a total overhaul to their car, and they came back, and it looks something eerily similar to the Alpha Tauri and the Red Bull as well. So. I, I, I think, you know, these engineers have figured out some of the best ways of getting the most downforce out of this current regulation. I'm not too sure if Mercedes is, is what it's supposed to be. I think you might see this car look a little bit different come 2023. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, they've taken this route. They spent the money on it, and I think they have to see it through. and And I think that has to be the philosophy of let's see what we have and how much how much actual performance is in this car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, Formula One daily. I mean, eventually these guys are all going to start looking the same. <laughs> Well, that's that's right. I mean, you, you, they'll find that equilibrium, and then you know, it's but it's funny. Then once they 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 get to that sort of common ground, yeah. then it'll be like the little I don't want to say less tangible things, but the less obvious things that will save a tenth or a tenth and a half here or there. Those start to become the difference makers, right? And, it, and it's kind so of a I, shame too, because like if we go back to the start of the season, like you know, you you, you so you know, you put it so well, is that we had some race cars that didn't look the same and they were easy to tell the difference from, right? Like you can yep. tell that's a Williams. Oh, that's a Ferrari. Oh, that's the Alpine. Oh, and there's the Mercedes. Like that you could tell all of these cars apart. Like, Oh, there's the Aston Martin. So I think um, that for me was, was really cool because I remember sitting in the press conference room in 2019 at the U S Grand Prix in Texas at Coda Mm-hmm. And I remember the, you know, I, I was there for the unveiling. So, you know, got to see them pull back the the model car that they had made and be like, hey, this is what we want our race cars to look like. Here are three different designs of what they can look like. And I remember the teams really complaining like, oh, well, hey, you know, you're not going to be able to tell any of us apart. <laughs> and I remember someone went online and stripped every single 2019 Formula One car of all their logos and literally said, tell me the difference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's funny because uh, when we were just uh, talking about that, we were saying like, well, you do what an Alpine was and a, what a Mercedes was. I was yeah. just thinking, well, that would be great if we could do that right now. It's like take all 10 cars, just take the paint off of them, just put them all in primer or black or something, and then tell me, okay, which one is which, you know? I, right. I mean, the Mercedes start- obviously will, yeah. will, will stand out, but uh, a lot of them will start, you know, look, looking the same, right? 100%. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's kind of uh, funny that way, the way that uh, the, the the Formula One works. But hey, uh, let's go now and talk about the race itself because obviously, for big big reasons, that's where all the the the, the headlines were made. But I, I want to talk before we talk about the drama and the race itself. So of course you got uh, I was going to say Charles on pole, pardon me, George on pole. You got Carlos in second, and you got Charles in uh, starting in third right behind uh, uh, George. And I was thinking to myself, if you're George and you're heading down into turn one, who do you pick to fight? Who do you, t- who are you going to like try and defend against? Because you can't fight both of them off. And I'm like, well, do you make one move against Carlos and hope that Charles doesn't try and pass you on the outside or whatever the, the you know, the, the case may be, 
but they head out of turn one, go down the hill into turns two and three and then four. And George is still in front. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God, what's happening here? And it, it was amazing. I did not expect that from George. And well, I knew he would fight for it. I just uh, did not think after half a dozen corners on lap one, he'd still still be out front. Yeah. And George, obviously, uh, I believe he started on. Yeah, he started on the soft, a set of used soft tires. And then the Mercedes, or sorry, excuse me, the Ferraris were running the the uh, the mediums behind him, and I thought, you know what, that's a good strategy because that's going to give him a great jump off the line. It'll give him a, just enough performance to open a gap for the first ten laps, and then you know that tire is probably going to turn into junk. But I think it's a smart move, just simply to see mm-hmm. what happens with the race and and let it play out. Because I think if George had started on those mediums, I honestly don't think he would have got. A great getaway. Yes. Yep. I, and I also think he probably would have lost the lead a lot sooner um, than obviously when he did. Uh, so I think for Mercedes, from their side, that was that was good strategically. I think just to hold on and keep and maintain that track position. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lewis Hamilton, I mean, he was incredible. I mean, the the start he got. I mean, just chipping away at it throughout the race. Absolutely. Uh, brilliant, brilliant tire strategy for him as well. And he did a great job of keeping everything alive. And obviously that's why he's a seven-time Formula One world champion. And and I think for George, like he still has a lot to learn when it comes when it comes to that. But again, you know, he's he's learning from the best. And uh, hey, you know, Danby, uh, Daly, I can I can see George getting a win this season. What do you think? Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights and more. Whether you're into speed, power or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Oh, I think that the that the signs are absolutely pointing in that direction. I mean, another thing I want to add to that uh, that synopsis of yours, Tim, is that for him starting on the softs, okay, like you say, after 10, 12 laps, maybe those tires are starting to go away from him. But let's not forget that the undercut in Hungary is usually pretty powerful. So, I mean, you know, they, they really thought about it. But then I was mm-hmm. thinking, okay, about like a Mercedes or sorry, a Ferrari, maybe they're playing the long game, but we'll talk talk about that in a minute. But more to your comments about uh, George maybe getting a maiden win. I mean, what has this guy not done right so far this, the, the, this season? Obviously, Mercedes is not dominating. They're not winning races and they're not, you know, crushing everybody else in qualifying. Like we, we've become used to over the past eight or nine years or whatever it is. But I mean, he's done a really, really good job where Lewis has struggled with the car. George has been, he's qualified better. He's had some better results in the races. I mean, Lewis has pulled himself back into this uh, championship to a, a certain extent. I mean, it's it's really kind of taken him a while to find his feet. But, you know, if you, if you, well, I mean, I guess you're asking me right now. So, I mean, <laughs> it, based on uh, on what we've seen so far, if you're going to say to me, which one of those Mercedes drivers wins a race first? Yeah, I'd absolutely go with George. I mean, I think that um, he, he's feeling it. I mean, I think that uh, he's just, and I, I think that's where that, that experience with Williams ha- has benefited him because we, we mentioned it off the top there. He was Mr. Saturday. He was able to take that car out of Q1 into Q2. And he did some, some impressive things on Saturdays in qualifying over the past couple of years that he really shouldn't have done considering how 
ungood <laughs> how bad the, those Williams cars were. So were I mean, I, I think yeah, they were bad. So I think that that's really kind of it, it's giving him another skill set to, to to work with. I mean, Lewis, mm-hmm. and not to take anything away from a guy with his record and his resume, but he's had good cars to work with. So mm-hmm. George is kind of used to these challenges, and I think he's done a great great job this mm-hmm. year. And it would be a, a wonderful story. I mean, it would be you know headline worthy if a Mercedes was going to uh, win a race this year, it would just be that much better if it was Georgia that was uh, going to make it. And I'm really excited for next season with these two, with George and Lewis, this driver pairing at Mercedes. And I'm interested to see how Total Wolf can deal with all of it because I think he's going to run into some headaches later on down the road. Uh, you know, at some point, uh, you know, the I don't want to say the gloves are going to be off between these two, but at the end of the day, they both want to win a championship right? Mm-hmm. Lewis is chasing history and, you know, George is trying to get, would, would, will be trying to get his first. It, it will definitely push this team and it'll push the performance. It'll push both drivers and George's, I guess, uh, George's capacity to learn and kind of take everything to another level will grow and he will eventually become a very great driver later on down the road. But I, I will just be interested to see how Total Wolf deals with all of it. That That's going to mm-hmm. be fascinating, uh, I think, to, to watch next season. Um, but yeah, I, for Lewis Hamilton in today's race, just a brilliant performance, you know, from, from him. I... I think if there was a few more laps left, he he would have caught Max. I think he, he was unbelievable in the closing stages of this race daily. Oh, I, there there were so many, like for as many bad headlines that were made once again by Ferrari, there were so many yeah. good headlines that were made yeah. by other drivers like George, like Max, 100%. like, uh, like, like Lewis. I mean, it was, um, it, it was a pretty special race in many, many aspects, but I just wanted to just add one more, uh, one more thing to the, the whole conversation about Lewis and George. And that's going back to the Sahir Grand Prix back in 2020, the second time that they raced there on the outer ring. When Lewis was out sick with COVID and it was Valtteri and George who was deputizing because he was Mercedes uh, reserve driver that year, right? And just right at the, the start of the race going into turn one, when he got his elbows out and pushed his way past uh, Valtteri Bottas, I mean, th- th- there was no question then that he was going to play second fiddle. He's like, you know what? I'm driving in a Mercedes. I'm here to win. I don't care if you've been at this team for five years or whatever it is. I'm going out here to do what I need to do. And if uh, that means I got to push you out of the, the, the way because I want to win this race, then, you know, that that's your problem, not mine. And I mean, of course, he was still, I guess you could say, um, what is the word? Um uh, I'm trying to use a theater thing. Auditioning. There you go. Boy, it's tough to come by someone's auditioning for that Mercedes <laughs> seat, right? Because I mean, th- that was his future at that point was, was, was really, you know, still in question, but I mean, he made a really good case there. I mean, his Valtteri Bottas found out and, but I mean, if he kind of butts heads with Lewis or there's a bit of uh, tension there, I mean, at least Toto's got the benefit of having like the Hamilton Rosberg years to reflect on and maybe, see some warning signs and these are two guys that are at at different stages of their career i mean lewis and nico very much in their prime and you kind of get like the like the old dog the goat the legends kind of staring down the last couple of years in his career and the the up-and-comer i mean you know long term i mean obviously the situation for mercedes looks good it's just like what kind of drama happens between today and the day that Lewis decides, you know what, I'm done. It's time to hang up the helmet and the gloves and move on to the next stage of my life. And then this becomes George's team. And then he's paired up with Nick DeFries or, or whoever, right? At that point mm-hmm. in time, you know, th- those. A, yeah, go ahead. Such, sorry. A, such a fine line to, to tread to when you're. When you're a driver at a team with a teammate and the two of you push each other and the two of you are uh, on similar levels of, of talent. Yeah. I'm not saying that George is better than Lewis, but I'm just saying similar levels. Like he's close. He, George is really fast. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's difficult to you know tread that line. And I think for a driver like George, I think that's really what he's going to have to do, you know, Lewis already has the race craft down. He he'll know how to fight. He'll, he'll know when he needs to push. He'll know, you know, when he needs to bring the elbows out a bit, he'll know 
what you know where that line is in terms of how far can he put those elbows out where with George it'll be interesting to to see if he understands similar things and it'll be interesting to see like just how much he he learns from Lewis about that a good example of that was today I mean I think you know George knew he was beat right like he knew that Lewis was just faster today and he knew just to push a tiny bit but don't overdo it right because he there was no stopping Lewis Hamilton on Sunday you know, it's interesting, too, when you look at the ages of some of these drivers, and I think it's maybe because George took a little bit longer to graduate into that top-level tier seat. I mean, I sometimes get the feeling he's a little bit younger than he is compared to, say, your Max Verstappens, your Charles Leclerc's, your Lando's, and guys like that, that all kind of in that similar age group and that uh, that that similar class, right? Because they got like the bigger drives a little bit sooner than 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 any than anyone else. I mean, you look at George; he's twenty four. Charles is also twenty four. Max is twenty four. Lando's only twenty two. I mean, that's kind of a, a bit of a mind blower. McSchumacher mm. twenty three. But you know, the thing is, I, I don't I don't want to say that uh, that George was languishing at the back of the grid in Formula One. I mean, he did well. I think when he he got that seat at Williams. It's just he needed to be more patient than some of his other classmates to to get the drive that his talent deserved. And I still feel rightly or wrongly that he's still kind of like a diamond in the rough. We we know what Max is capable of. We know what Charles is capable of. Lando, to a, a certain extent, we know what he's capable of. I mean, certainly he's not driving a Red Bull or a Mercedes or a Ferrari, but I mean, he's done some pretty impressive stuff in the McLaren the past couple of years. George still kind of surprises me from time to time because as good as he was qualifying in the Williams days, a lot of his talent and his abilities, I think, were lost during the race because he just didn't have the car underneath him to really do the things that he wanted the car to do and to push it and really, you know, to see us what he was really made of because he necessarily, mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily also getting the screen time because he might be back there in P14 or P15. And we're like, okay, that's great. You know, George, he's one for the future, but show me Max and Lewis or show me Charles and Lewis or whoever's fighting for the lead in this race. I'm not really particularly interested in George right now. The, the point is, I think that there is a lot of room for this guy to grow. And I think we're going to see that unfolding, not just this year, but in the years to come. And I think that, you know, if you're a fan of uh, of George Russell or just a fan of Formula One in general, I think it's got to be an exciting time because the question is, is how much more is this guy going to grow? And where's the ceiling for George Russell in terms of uh, potential and talent? Yeah, I think that's that's the thing, right? When you're looking at who George is going to be learning from, I mean, he's soaking up the information, you know, from Lewis. I I remember sitting down and he and I were actually, you know, chatting about it. And I I literally said to him, like, you get to sit down and learn from a seven time formula one world champion every single day. I said, what is that like, man? And, you know, he was just explaining (laughs) to me like how fortunate he was, like just to be in the position that he was in, but also to like have, on hand one of the greatest f1 drivers of all time as his teammate to take note from like i mean that's such a huge huge thing for him to 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 have like just a fountain of knowledge sitting right beside him every day in debriefs and seeing how lewis goes about the job and learning the dedication and commitment lewis puts into it not saying that george doesn't do that but it just shows it'll it'll show him just how much further he needs to push. It'll mm-hmm. show him it'll show him his faults. It'll show him what uh, he needs to work on, both personally and professionally. And I, I think that's huge. And I think the room for George to grow is is massive. You know that's why Mercedes has him. That's why Mercedes put him in the car. And he's their star of the future. Let, let's not let's not kid ourselves. So, I um, I, I'm excited to see what these two drivers do in the next few seasons. We'll see how long Lewis sticks around for. I know we mm-hmm. were talking about this last time on the podcast, like how many years we thought that Lewis was going to be. Uh, I know, right? Hanging around, yeah, Formula One. So, 
that to me will, will be interesting to see what happens between the two of them in the next few seasons. You know, does Lewis kind of back off the throttle a bit after he gets his eighth and kind of shows George the way or like what actually happens there. But today during the race, one of the most exciting points for me was, you know, riding on board with Lewis, listening to the in-car audio, and just hearing him wanting to know how far away Max Verstappen was. Because mm. I was like, that is that is awesome. You could hear it in his voice. You could hear that I want to kick this guy's rear end. Like you could just, you could hear him seething in the car, you know, wanting to get as close <laughs> to Max as he could. It was great. I loved it because it's just like, you know what? I mean, as as toxic as that rivalry, you know, was in, in 2021, I still just... Uh, just watching the two of them would like going toe to toe again. I, I don't know daily about you, but I just, I just would, would love to watch the battle again, you know? Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, as nasty as it got at times last year, I mean, it also made for compelling viewing and it was just like, I mean, these are two guys that are incredibly talented drivers. I mean, Max clearly one of the best of his generation. Lewis clearly one of the best of all time. They had two incredible cars last year, and mm-hmm. and and that's what kind of makes I wouldn't say this year a disappointment, but the fact that you know up until now Lewis hasn't it's had the machinery. Segue. Yeah, this is a good segue. <laughs> it is right because Ferrari clearly aren't going to deliver, but it's, it's just a shame that up until this point in the season that Lewis hasn't had the machinery to compete with Max because. I think after, well, I I know for a fact after Abu Dhabi last year, everyone was like, okay, let's get this winter over with. Let's get back to racing. Let's get to Bahrain. Let's get these guys back on the track. Come on, round two. Let's go, (laughs) you know? And unfortunately, it it just hasn't quite, uh, you know, played out that way. I do want to talk about Ferrari, but one thing, you know, I was, uh, you know, talking about listening to, to radios and being on their comms. One thing that really surprised me was the the double overtake of Danny Ricardo was probably his only highlight of the the entire weekend is when he passed both Alpines when after the pit stop there and the fact that uh, Fernando lost out on that I went back and watched that a couple of times and you know if that was me I would have just uh, you know it would have just would have been all bleeps and and, and all so that surprised. I was I was so surprised at that but I went and watched those Same those here. couple laps I dialed it back and Fernando's radio channel was clear. There wasn't in anything. There wasn't a groan. There wasn't an F bomb. There wasn't a string yeah. of expletives that would have made yeah. a sailor blush. It was it was incredible. Just the 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 silence. Uh, I mean, obviously you picked up on it as well. Yeah, I was expecting something after that. So I went back to to take a peek. <laughs> like I was shocked, dude. Absolutely yeah. shocked. Because that's the type of thing where it's like you know Fernando's going to say something, right? But at the end of the day, I think it just shows that he's he's just in a different part of his career where mm-hmm. it's like he has to be the team player or play the team game or have the team sort of mindset. I mean, even even afterwards, he did, you know, sort of touch on it a bit with, you know, having to battle a bit with his teammate. But he didn't really, like, go into it like he would – back in the day i think that just just shows that it he he knows that hey i am i'm here for the last few years in formula one and i just have to be you know a good teammate and move a team along um, on this journey i just want to drive these cars as fast as i can type deal yeah you know the the, one of those uh comments or the radio uh, transmissions that really stands out in my mind i think it was sachi in 2017 when on the formation lap and they're coming around to start finish there back to the grid Yeah. And like he's losing power and his engineers on the radio. He's like, Fernando, do this and that. He's like, I've tried everything. Why don't you come out here and try it yourself? Yeah, I think <laughs> he know? left the car there. Did yeah, he, he got did. out of the car. He got and out he of the car. There. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of like a peak Fernando at uh, his I don't give an F kind of era of his uh, life and uh, career. But certainly, like you say, he's mellowed in uh, in his life. Now, talking about a guy that probably isn't very mellow this evening. Number 16, Charles Leclerc, who kind of sort of mathematically had a shot at the championship coming into this weekend, even though it was probably about like that big. And, you know, for those of you listening to the podcast, I held my fingers and thumb about a quarter inch apart. (laughs) But anyways, uh, I guess it would have been bigger than that. It was more of a long shot rather than a short shot. But uh, (laughs) 
Boy, if there if there was a hope for Charles Leclerc in the World Championship, I think that's um, pretty obvious to say that that that's gone. Disaster. I mean, yeah, an, another Just a weekend. Another weekend where Ferrari's writing headlines for for all the the, the the wrong reasons. And at one point, I mean, he was able to get out in front, but they painted themselves into a corner. There, they started on mediums. And then they, uh, they they changed first pit stop. They were going to do two stops uh, strategy. First stop, they put them onto the mediums. And then, you know, where did that really leave them? What, time for stop number two with probably, what, just over half race distance left, maybe about lap 40-something. I mean, you're not going to get to the end of the race on 30-something laps and hungry on soft tires. It was always going to be the hard tires. And yeah. the well, way he... Sorry, go ahead. Actually, go ahead. yeah, Daly, the, the way, so it, it was interesting. On At the end of the race, you know, Red Bull revealed that they actually changed their strategy uh, just before the lights went out. So on the, on the way to the grid, both Sergio and Max were on the soft tire and they were having one hell of a time trying to activate it, generate some heat into that tire. And just them telling the team that they ended up changing that whole strategy because they Red Bull was going to start the race on a set of hard tires. And then they opted to not do that simply because of what happened to Max and Sergio on that way to the grid. I, you know what? And, and there wasn't many teams who opted to really go for, for that hard tire compound because they just knew how difficult it was going to be to get into the right operating window. I mean, I was um, I was on that Ringer, the Ringer podcast, and I even said it on SportsCenter. You know, before uh, be- before the start of some of these races, you know, the media can get access to a um, a race guide pamphlet, right? And inside is essentially data that's been accumulated from the free practice sessions throughout the weekend. And it kind of like puts things together where like, okay, this is what teams could do. This is also what teams could do. This is what the tires are telling everybody on the teams. And the first point that's in this document, the very first point is the hard tire is experiencing warm up issues in the cooler conditions. The soft is experiencing graining which means tire management is going to be key during the race to ensure the tires do not exceed their performance life. So we had cool temperatures at Hungary daily and track temperature was cool. Ambient temperature was cool. You saw Alpine, uh, the Haas, they went to the hard tires first and they dropped like a stone and Ferrari Mm -hmm. had to have seen that. They, they had to have. And, and like, I get it that, you know, if you're Ferrari, you are running like a load of downforce on the car, but it's still not enough. And even if you think it is, you have to get that strategy so right. And you have to make sure that tire gets turned on within a few laps. I mean, it was taking Charles Leclerc seven laps to get the medium compound into the right operating window. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that tells you something, right? I mean, that, that tells you something right there where it's like the hard was never going to work. Charles Leclerc had three sets of scrubbed soft tires. So on that second, on that, on that, after that first stop where they slapped on the mediums, they should have left him out there longer. Don't try and cover off Max. Just leave him out there. It's a little bit longer because there was, he was even saying, you know, there was still a lot of performance left in the tire. And so then yeah. you run him long, you bring him in, you put on a set of those soft scrubs towards getting closer towards the end of the race and you just let him fight it out and see where it ends up. Like maybe he doesn't come away with a win, but he sure as hell comes away with a podium position or at mm-hmm. least fighting for a win. And that's what you got to do. You got to be aggressive. I mean, that's what Red Bull does with their strategies. And at the end of the day, it's just, it kind of seemed really conservative. And I, I just, I couldn't, I don't know what your reaction was, but I literally, as soon as they came in, and they strapped on the hard tires. I literally jumped off my couch and I was just like, what are they doing? Like hard tires right now. Are they not seeing what's happening with the other teams? Like that tire sucks. Like, I don't understand. Like, why are they even <laughs> going? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Well, it does it doesn't really matter what uh, what what I think what my reaction was is I've got like a, a clip here of Charles's actual radio comms here of when he put those tires and got back onto the track. So here it is. Go! So there you go. <laughs> there you go. That was uh, that was Charles, but you know, uh, joking aside, okay, obviously that wasn't Charles Leclerc, but I mean, I was I went back after the race and went in uh, after that uh, that pit stop. In the laps afterwards, he was like these tires are bleep, these bleeping tires are bleep. I mean, he's going backwards through the field and but the same thing that when they brought those tires out and very much like on the the race broadcast, I can't remember if it was Crofty or Martin said, "Did I see like a flash of like white banding on those tires i'm like that's yeah, what i was like too that's what i saw too I, I was just like you're not bringing out the hard tires and then because i was thinking too because <laughs> like you say like the ambient air ta- uh, temperature and the track temperature was cooler than usual because hungry sometimes it can be stinking hot there like it's like sorry like mid to high is 30 centigrade tra- track temperatures also like through the roof but today and like also during qualifying it was still like high 20s but it's not as hot as we've seen it in the past. So, I mean, just from, you know, a tire choice, it's just like, you know, this just does not seem, you know, logical, right? I mean, no. uh, the, the quote that I have here from uh, Mattia Bonotto is, uh, quote, when we fitted the heart, our simulation was that it could have been a difficult uh, couple of laps of warm up. It would have been uh, slower the, uh, to the medium for 10 to 12 laps. And then it would have come back and been faster at the end of the stint. And it was a 30 lap stint. We were trying to protect the position on Max. It would have been too long, certainly, for the softs. Yes, it would have been bif- difficult at the start of the stint, but it would have come back by the end, end quote. I mean, sure, I saw the logic in it, but I mean, they they obviously knew it was the wrong choice because at the end, they still brought Charles in to put the softs on. But by that point, it was way too late. You know, it's like closing the barn door after the cows have run off. And I mean, at the end of the day, they're, they don't even get a podium out of it. I mean, <laughs> you, you got Max, you got the two Mercedes and the two Ferraris. You would have thought, considering where they qualified, one of them should have been on podium. At, at that, I would have said what it would have been a bad weekend after qualifying. But, you know, every time, you know, I say this is what could be a bad weekend for Ferrari. Ferrari's like, here, hold my beer. You know? <laughs> and that's what they did, right? Yeah, it's just. I, th- I think like w- one of the things is is that what what do they what do they do about this moving forward? I mean, you've got an Acureta who's going to be who's who's been running yeah. the strategy at Ferrari for quite some time. They've put in some other folks around him to give him some support, but I mean, daily. Like I, I'm not saying you go in there and you clean house and you start you know firing people and you know putting people out of a job, but I do think you go in there and start putting some people in places of power, like uh, of where they're going to succeed. 100%. Because at the moment, because at the moment, man, like the just the strategy division there, like how many races have we seen in in the past? I don't know, six, five, six seasons, just blown by Ferrari over um, strategical errors, like. A lot. Like, we've seen them lose championships because yeah. of it. Like, we saw yeah. it in 2017. We saw it in 2018. Yeah. And, it's, and you know... It's 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 not a new problem. I mean, sorry to jump in there, but especially not for a team like Ferrari. When, when you look at how on point the calls are that come from the pit wall for Red Bull and Mercedes, it's night and day. And I'm going to pick on McLaren here as an example. And this is not because I hate McLaren or I'm picking on them because I think they make bad calls or anything. 
It's just that their glory years and their championship years are kind of like they're in the rearview mirror, right? They're a long ways behind them. If or sorry, if McLaren was in this conversation, let's say this year it was it was Red Bull. Mercedes and McLaren mucking it out for the championship. And this was Lando or Ricardo, and they made that bad call. You could say, okay, well, you know, this has been a long time since McLaren's been up at the front of the racing order, fighting for race wins, r- fighting for championships. A lot of that brain power isn't with the team anymore. They're, they're learning some of this on the fly. But when that, you know, you take that, you switch uh, switch that around, and instead of McLaren, you say this is Ferrari, then that doesn't compute anymore. This is a, the biggest racing team in the world, the most successful Formula One team. This is a team, like you say, has lost races and championships before in, in obviously, recent memory, as in this afternoon mm-hmm. and last week yeah. and the week before and last, well, in, and in the years gone by. And it's just like, how long can this keep going that that somebody at the top of the food chain isn't standing there like with a, a big bruise on their forehead because they've been bashing their head up against the wall in frustration for weeks uh, at a time here now. And it's like, but what is, where do you go now? Like, what do you need to do to sort this thing out? Like, do you, do you blow it all up? Do you really want to go to that extreme Probably not. I mean, and especially mid season too. Exactly. But, but how long, how much longer do you wait? Because at least if you start making changes now, okay, sure. You're, you're, you're hoisting the white flag and saying, okay, we're giving up on 2022 to a certain extent. I mean, Mm -hmm. this championship is, is beyond us, but at some point, like when it comes to car development for the, the following the, the, the next season, at some point, you're going to have to think, well, we got to start making changes now because we don't want to be in the same position next year. We want to have everything in order for next year that 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 we've got time to integrate new people into, into new positions or reassign people or do what we need to do. Maybe we need to streamline operations. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a crystal ball. Obviously, I'm not sitting there in a position of knowledge or power at Marinello. But you would have to think at some point, somebody's going to have to make some bold decisions. And you'd have to think there, there's got to be a best before date to start making these calls. And this has to be it too, right, Daly? I mean, this was a huge, huge mistake. It, it was big. It, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, this was a big one. Yep. It was a big mistake. I, sure. I'm not a race strategist. <laughs> I just play one in real life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I am not a race strategist. No do, nor do I, you know, know that side of the sport intimately well, but I have the knowledge enough to know when something is a huge mistake. Huge. Mm-hmm. Like even in the moment, like I get I understand. Like I know what's going on, right? It just, it just adds to, you know, my experience as a racing driver, right? Like I get, I can see it immediately and immediately I know. But at the same time, it's like, like, come on, like, if I can see that from sitting on my couch here, like, <laughs> I, I mean, like, come on, like, there's, I, I just, um, if you're Ferrari, you have to take a look at, you have to take a look at it, you have to do some sort of an investigation as to what's going on here. And what's happened over the last, you know, t- a few seasons here, in, in yep. terms of our strategy, like, what are we doing? What's going on in that department, and find out and see what you need to shuffle around. I'm not saying you go in there and you clean house. But if you got to move some pieces around, move some pieces around. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with uh, you at all there, Tim. I mean, it's 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 just gotten to the point that they they lack credibility now in my eyes. And w- when it comes to Ferrari, that seems like a very illogical thing for me to say. It's just like, but I, I mean, they have such a reputation now. It's just it it just defies logic that it keeps going on like that. And that's why I say somebody somewhere that has like a position of power within that organization has to start making some, some brave decisions because they, they, they shouldn't be in this position. Like I say, I mean, this should be a team that came out of nowhere or a team like McLaren that finds himself back at the top and has to learn how to win races again. Ferrari should be the example. And the, the, the gap, like I say, between where they are operationally, like, like on race day and the, the, the calls that they make on the pit wall compared to, up and down the pit lane at Red Bull and Mercedes is it's just mind-blowingly 
different. And I, I don't know how you can even really consider yourself in the same league. And the sad thing is, we know that this is a pretty good car. We know that this car has got pace. Oh, it's a really good car. And and that's the frustrating thing about it is just the mm. like the self-inflicted damage that they've done, you know, mm-hmm. over the course of these, what is it, 12 or 13 races now. It just, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's mind blowing, dude. It really yeah. is. 100%. And this follows, it falls on the shoulders of Mattia Bonato at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah, the guy absolutely. That it, it comes down to him and what does he want to do moving forward? And he's a team, he's a team guy. He's a team player. I think I like how he protects everyone on the team. Rarely do you ever see him. I actually have never seen him throw someone under the bus at his team, even the drivers, team personnel, nobody, never, never seen it. And he's a he's a Ferrari guy, right? Like he that's where he started his career a long, long time ago. He's been at that team for so many years. He's been there forever. And he's come up through the ranks. And I think he's done mm-hmm. a great job of getting their house in order after Maurizio Riva Bene uh, was let go. And that was a big task to do, just just that alone to get in there and really just tidy things up. Uh, get more of a team atmosphere happening within within the factory, uh, within the team that goes to the track, because I think they were they were missing that. They brought in some really good personnel as well, even on the PR side. I mean, their PR uh, is incredible now. I mean, the the folks they've got there on the, on that side, they are absolutely brilliant. Uh, I just I think for for Mattia, it's kind of he he needs to take a strong strong look at that strategic that's that strategy department and he needs to think about what he what he's got going on in there what he needs to do yeah you know it's like that same thing that sometimes you, know, you got to think about benching your starter if you want to use like a north american sports analogy right i mean at some point maybe he's got to stop being the nice guy maybe he's got to go in there and kind of shake things up and and you know for, for the better because i, I don't want to take away what he's done with his team in, in a fairly short amount of time i mean yeah, go he's back done a lot you, yeah right he's, i mean he's done a lot and you're really correct in in bringing up how, like how he's done this course correction since they parted ways with the Riva Bene a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and and I really like the way the one thing that I really like was post 2019 and that whole engine fiasco and oh, that, yeah. that penalty and everything. I, what I really like is how they they tempered expectations, and I know yeah. fans didn't like it. The the the, the didn't like that sort of. You know, I wouldn't say defeatist attitude, but they were realistic saying, okay, we're not going to be competitive this year or next year, but we think we'll be competitive by, and, you know, I think they were saying 22 or 23. And sure enough, you know, we come into this year and they got a really, really good package. And it's just all these things that, you know, like I say, are, are self-inflicted, which is makes it so, and I mean, and, and the question it's is- the details, right? right? Exactly. It's that details. I mean, if you go down to Mercedes, like they run like, clockwork baby like they are like on it and it's those little tiny details the attention to the details that have gotten mercedes so many wins so many championships if you go down to red bull like they know what they are right they know they with usually with their strategy man they're aggressive like that's what they are they're the king the king of the double stack right how many times have they like who can pull off a double stack and who can pull it off so many times and come out and with with an advantage and i mean it's 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 mercedes is brilliant at that like yeah they're they're brilliant it's like 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 these things that red bull and mercedes do so well that's where ferrari needs to get to and but you know, like in order to be able to to do say like pull off like a, su- a successful double stack like we've seen in the past, it's just like how do you get to there when you make a fundamental bad call like you know like they they did today in their tire selection. Silverstone, you know? remember? So Silverstone could have been a double stack. Exactly right, and that could have been a double stack. I don't care what anybody says. That could have been a double. It stack. It could have been. It could have been, and probably should have been right. You know, yeah. And I think that's that's the 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 one thing that just drives everybody banana. Anna's like these, you know, like these. Uh, what's the uh, the the word? Um, I guess couch quarterback or couch strategist yeah. or whatever we yeah. all are, you know. Yeah, sure exactly. This, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's kind of mind blowing. But let's let's take a look now because there's some other interesting um, drivers and cars here in the final race classification. 
Our podium was Max, Lewis, and George. You had Carlos Sainz for Ferrari P4, then Sergio P5. Charles Leclerc finishes in P6. Then you had Lando, Fernando, Esteban Alcon, the two Alpines finishing 8th and ninth. Seb Vettel, after announcing his retirement a couple of days ago, comes home ahead of his teammate Lance Stroll. Seb gets the last points paying uh, position. want to talk quickly about Aston Martin. Lance finally makes it into Q2 after not making it into Q2 for a good number of uh, races. Sebastian doesn't make it out of uh, Q1. But at the end of the day, P10 and 11, not a bad result for the Astons. I mean, all things considered, it's it's been a rocky season. But once again, race day, they I think mm-hmm. I think that's a result that they should be fairly pleased with. Yeah, they were too. They were very pleased with the race performance on Sunday. Uh, still struggling to try and understand what the, the qualifying package looks like on this race car because obviously it's still kind of new, right? I mean, they got that huge upgrade uh, in Silverstone and they also got another one in Spain and still just trying to figure this out, just really trying to sort out what do they actually have here. And now you're starting to see it, right? Like you, they both had a very strong race on uh, Sunday, Lance gave up the position to Seb so Seb could go and chase down Esteban Ocon. And if there were, if that virtual safety car like hadn't have come out, uh, Seb would have gotten Esteban for sure, because I think they crossed the line like a 10th, like a separated by a 10th of a second. Uh, So Sebastian would have gotten P9. And I think eventually Lance would have gotten P10 um, from Ocon because he was, he was dropping like stone too. So I think for, for Aston Martin, there are a lot of positives to take away um, from this weekend. And you know what? I keep saying it, but I really do think this is going to be a team that's that's going to surprise some people later on as we get into this season and as they really start to understand what they have daily. Yeah, I, I think that the signs are there. It doesn't always look that way during qualifying the races, but I, I think quietly they are starting to put uh, some, some results together and they're start, starting to figure this car out. And I think that's uh, exciting. So obviously, uh, you know, that'll be uh, good for us with the Canadian driver in there. And then it'll be interesting, of course, to see who ends up taking that uh, second seat once uh, Seb hangs it up at the uh, the end of the year. So I want to start wrapping this thing up, uh, Tim. Uh, before we do, I just want to run down the championship and then I'm going to I'm going to pose a question to you. I want to get your take on Ooh. that. Uh, but first of all, We've got uh, in the driver's uh, standings, we have uh, Max 258 points, completely running away with it now. Charles 178, Sergio Perez, only five points uh, behind Charles in the uh, World Drivers' Championship. He's got 173. George Russell is now fourth in the championship with 158, only two points ahead of Carlos Sainz. Lewis still holding steady at six in the driver's championship with 146. Over on the constructor's side, obviously no change there. Red Bull 431, Ferrari 334, Mercedes 304. I mean, that constructor's battle between the, the Mercedes boys and the Ferrari boys, that's that's not over. And then you've got uh, fourth and fifth is Alpine and then McLaren rounding out the top five. Only four points separating Alpine and uh, McLaren as well. Mm-hmm. So, Tim... Andrew Mm -hmm. Benson of the BBC, he wrote an article today saying that he felt that uh, Verstappen's win today was uh, one of his best, if not the best of his career so far. Obviously, he'd started 10th. He had a spin halfway through the race. Still, he comes to uh, comes round, wins this race at the end of the uh, end of the day. I mean, let's face it in Hungary, you probably should not be winning from 10th under normal circumstances. But I think that just goes to show you how an extraordinarily good drive that was from Max Verstappen. But more to the point, I think that it was a very extraordinary race that we witnessed today. I mean, I I think it was a great drive by Max, but I think it was fascinating for so many different reasons that we've talked about over the last hour or so. Yeah, 100%. I've seen, you know, some pretty impressive races from from Max that it's one of them for sure. uh, No question. But I just think there was a whole bunch of other circumstances that kind of came out here in in this race, uh, and I think if Ferrari doesn't, you know, mess up their strategy, they're still the they're still the team that everyone would have been chasing. Uh, yep. Just there's just no way. I don't think anyone beats them. To be perfectly honest with you, uh, and tires just having the understanding, and I think that was one of the things that for a lot of the teams was trouble for them to wrap their heads around coming into this race was just the understanding of, okay, what are the tires going to do 
in this race because they never got enough running on them. And it turned out that the hard compound was just, you know, unusable, just Mm -hmm. couldn't use it. And so I, I think all of those factors combined for us to see what we saw, it was kind of like George's pole, right? I mean, like everything had to go perfect for him to, to, to get that pole position. Like you had to have, like Carlos had to have a bad, you know, sector two or sector three. And so did Charles Leclerc. And clearly, you know, that's what happened. And, you know, George was just able to kind of put it together the whole entire thing. Mm-hmm. We're in this race. It's kind of similar. And I, I, uh, I, I've seen some performances from Max. Yes, that's that's one of them. It's probably not going to be one that stands out in in my mind um, when we talk about performances from Verstappen um, at the end of the day. But um, yeah, I agree with you. This is just one of those really different type of races, man. Yeah, I certainly don't think any of us expected that this morning when we sat down to watch this one, but it was uh, definitely worth it. And I, I don't think excuse me, that I've gone back and dialed it back so to so many different parts after watching it to go and see exactly what was happening in the cockpit, what the comms were like between the driver and the pit wall. It was uh, it was really, really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Hey, Tim, thanks for doing this uh, tonight. It was uh, good fun as always. Before we go, let everybody know where they can find you online, social media channels, website, and all the good stuff. 100%. Thanks very much for having me, Daly. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I love it when we team up for these things. Yeah, me too, man. <laughs> if, anybody, if anybody wants more from me, you can get me at Tim Marini on all forms of uh, social media. Also, I uh, did some work for SportsCenter this past week, so some of that content can be found on tsn.ca's uh, auto racing page. Also, check out uh, the Ringer F1 show. Did a podcast up on there with uh, Mark Daly's co-host, Mark Hamilton. It was a lot of fun. Really appreciate um, the Ringer F1 show having having us on. That was that was great. And yeah, check out my podcast, TSN Racing Pod. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, head on over to Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, write a review. You know, give, give a rating. Uh, let us know how we're doing. And uh, yeah, we have IndyCar driver Alexander Rossi on Sweet. Uh, for this episode. That's going to be dropping on Monday. Cool. So yeah, that'll be great. Uh, Rossi's just coming off a big win on Saturday at uh, IMS, and uh, yeah, check check out some IndyCar stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty great. Yeah, I love Alex Rossi. Can't wait to hear what he has to say on the uh, on the racing pod. You can catch me online at Mark Daily F One, and uh, I'm just going to pump my own uh, Twitter channel here for a moment because I retweeted something from the ESPN F One Instagram. I just I cut and pasted into there. It was awesome. It was a meme. It was a picture of Mattia Bonato with his arm around Charles Leclerc. <laughs> The first quote was, and Charles was saying, Mattia, this is the worst day of my life. Second picture, Mattia's wagging his finger saying, correction, this is the worst day of your life so far. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was cheeky. I thought this is what memes and this is what social media is all about. So go check it out. And uh, props to ESPN F1 because I thought that one was on point. Anyways, you can also find us uh, on Twitter, Scootery F1 Pod, and also all uh, the different podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, all those good places. And you can also send us an email at scooteryf1pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's a wrap. Tim, thanks again as always, buddy. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, pal. Enjoy the summer break. We'll catch you after. Absolutely. And everyone, lots more content coming from us over the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned and enjoy your week. Bye for now. <laughs>